Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. The faith fight, way of life. Faith fight, way of life. If I can draw your attention to verse 19, in which Paul says, in this way, they'll store up treasures. They'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. Anybody else besides me in this room grow up broke? Just by a waving of the hand. Grow up broke. I'm, when I say broke, I mean broke. I mean po. I mean barely able to afford the last O-R in the pole, not poor, pole. I mean, can't turn the heat on, poor. I mean, don't have meat, poor. I mean, growing up in the projects where the heat's always on and you got to open up the window and let it out, poor. I'm talking about broke. Talking about growing up with less. I grew up with less. I'm the oldest. The top, the top three, four of us grew up with less the bottom, the younger kids had stuff. The top of us, we didn't have a lot. It was a struggle. It was tough. My mom always tried to mediate. She was always trying to moderate the broke. My dad didn't care. My dad would tell you, are we broke? I remember we went to a service one time, and the preacher was, a preacher was preaching. He was like, Yo, and now let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. And you got to get a good confession and say that you make a name and claim it. When we got in the car, I said, Dad, are we, are we rich or are we broke? He said, son, we broke. You at least got to admit where you are before you get to where you're about to be. We broke. He said, right now, we broke. We may be believing to be better, but right now, we broke. My mom slapped him. Gilbert, don't tell him that. No, we're, we're in the middle of God's plan. My mom was always trying to moderate the broke and make you feel good about the broke. My dad didn't care. One of the ways that my mom would try to moderate the broke is by giving you stuff that's not the real stuff, but it's like the real stuff. So I wanted Cracker Jacks, and instead of having Cracker Jacks, I ended up with something called Apple Dapples. I don't know if anybody, they, they bring back something that's not the real thing. Not Fruit Loops, but Fruity O's. When I was a kid, there was this, this popcorn that they had called Cracker Jack. I don't know if y'all remember Cracker Jack. And there was a prize in it, Cracker Jack. Boy, I love me some Cracker Jack. I remember this song. What do you call a kid that can run like that? They call that kid a Cracker Jack. What do you call a kid that can hit like that? They call that kid a Cracker Jack. And what do you call a snack with a secret toy surprise in the back? My brain, help us, Holy Ghost. Peanuts and popcorn make your lips smack. Caramel coated Cracker Jack. My mom came back with caramel popcorn from the food store. And I tasted it and I said, this is not Cracker Jack. I was out with a client a couple of weeks ago, and we were in some restaurant, Chili's or something, and he ordered Philly cheesesteak. I said, no, you are not getting, no, I'm from Philly. You are not about to get no Philly cheesesteak in a Chili's. You got to go to Philadelphia. Go down Old Gons Avenue. Go to Pagano's. They got the big ladies in there moving the meat. Get you a triple cheese with some onions. That's a cheesesteak. 
He said, okay, well, I'll have the New England clam chowder. I said, no! Get no clam chowder and no chilies. I was in Boston. They said, what would you like to drink? I said, do you have sweet tea? They said, we have iced tea. I said, no, that ain't no, no. I said sweet tea. I didn't say iced tea. I want something that gives me diabetes when I take a sip. I want sweet tea. I, that, I don't want what's fake. I want what's real. I, I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't settle for the fake. And I can't let you settle for the fake. At some point, we all have to demand the life that is truly life. The thing that is scary about this passage is that Paul is implying that it's possible to have life and you think it's life and it's not. It is possible to be thinking that that Philly cheesesteak from Chili's is actually good because you've never had a real cheesesteak. It is possible to think that you can pour some sugar in a cold iced tea and it tastes like sweet tea, but you cannot. We don't really like to talk about this. We don't like to talk about the fact that it's possible for you to have a life that's not really life. I don't know if you've ever woken up and realized that the life you have isn't really the life you want. The life you have is not really the life that was promised. The life you have is not really a life that you want to keep on living. We grew up talking a lot about eternal life, but I don't know if we should talk about eternal life until we get life fixed first. Because if I don't like life, <laughs> then the last thing I want is for the life I've got to be eternal. I don't want it to last if I can't stand it. He said, fight the good fight of the faith. I love this passage. He said, listen, I want you to fight the good fight of the faith. I want you to get ready for the fact that you're going to have to have faith. I'm amazed. I was reading an article this past week. They're just talking about the plummeting attendance in church around the world, around the country, and how all of a sudden folks have lost faith in church. It's such a sad thing. We have to realize it's not just an attack against church. It's an attack against faith. Something happens when you come in a room and worship the invisible. Not only does God please, but also you work a muscle that you don't know you need to work. It's a faith muscle. That faith muscle is how you please God, but that faith muscle is also how you have life. It is hard to have abundant life without faith. And it's it's a misnomer to think that you can have a life where no faith is required. One of the things we have to be careful about in our current time, in our day of information, information technology, this thing right here, that we are not so determined to know that we can't believe. It's sad to me that we have more stuff than ever and somehow are less happy than our grandparents who had less than us. We are more drug addicted. We are more shook. We are more fragile. We are more messed up than ever. We have more than ever and are as shook as ever. How is it that we have access to jobs and cars and clothes and shoes and Jordans and all of it and are weaker than the folk who had less? Something weird about the world. And that is that if the times get too good, it produces weak people. Oh, I need a witness in the building. 
We got what we have to walk by faith. And for nothing else, I'm not saying throw your phone away. I'm not saying go back to where to watching VHS tapes. I'm saying that you are going to have to continually allow your life to be challenged by faith just for you to stay real. Because a life without faith in it isn't a real life. He says, fight to take hold of eternal life. What is that? What is eternal life? Now, I know what you were told is eternal life, and I know what I was told is eternal life, because what I was told is eternal life is heaven. And we were talking about this in the back, Pastor Al, that we, we were taught a gospel that just directed us to heaven. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to heaven, and I'm not saying we're not just trying to get to heaven. I am on my way to heaven, and I'm glad about it. And the fact that my life is directed toward heaven gives me a different kind of perspective than if I didn't have that perspective. I see the world differently when I'm on my way to heaven. But just know that eternal life doesn't just mean Life that never ends. That's not all it means. It's a part of it, but that's not all it means. Might I suggest another definition of eternal life is life divinely inspired. Put it on the screens. Life divinely inspired, meaning that the eternal or eternal Thought or eternal principles or etern something that has lasted longer than 10 years inspires you. It's just a scary thing for your life to only be defined by the knowledge that has only been here for five years. I mean, I, listen, I love the advances. I love the growth. But we also have to be able to find something from where we came from and something that lasts longer than us, something longer than this, just, this, just this generation, something that is divinely inspired is eternal life. It's a life in which we ask God, well, what did you want us to have? When you gave us this thing called life. What did you want us to experience when you sent us here? What did you want us to realize was life? Not just what are they telling us is life. But what is life according to God? Who is the author of life? And it makes me ask the question. And I'm going to ask it. I've asked it of myself. And I'm going to ask it for, of you. And that is, yeah, who defined life for you? Who defined it? Who told you that this was life? Who told you that this is what you're supposed to be living? The Bible says to fight the good fight of the faith, to fight to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me, to fight to take hold of eternal life. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I have. Uh, a lot of the fights that I got into when I was younger, I, quite, I can't quite remember what I was fighting for. Can't quite remember what that fight was about. I don't know what tension's on the inside of you. I don't know what kind of anxiety you've got. I don't know what kind of perspective you have right now. I don't know what happened this past week. I don't know what your fight's about. But my prayer is that if you're going to be bothered, it's because you're bothered fighting for something real and not fighting for something fake. Doesn't make a lot of sense to be sitting around depressed about something that's not real anyway. Don't make a lot of sense being all in turmoil about something. And once you get it, you realize it wasn't really worth all the tears you shed. You lost sleep over it and wasn't worth it. You killed yourself for it and wasn't worth it. Sometimes you don't find that out till you bite into it. And you realize this ain't even real. A part of what Paul is cautioning us to do is to take a step back from Instagram. Take a step back from TikTok. Take a step back from social media. Take a step back from every commercial 
take a, a step back from what the, the celebrities are telling us is life. Take a step back from what the agenda is telling us is life. Take a step back from what the dominating culture is telling us is life and ask ourselves, are we really chasing life or are we rats in a maze? My God, gentlemen, I'm telling you, one of the most difficult things of getting older is you begin to reevaluate what you even valued as important. You start to ask yourself, and you, start, and you start to change. You start to get to a place where you don't really care that much about what car you drive. You cared a lot when you were younger. You get a little bit older. If it's paid for, you's happy. Oh, I wish I had a witness said, that hoopty is okay. And if it's above level of hoopty, hallelujah. Anybody got a paid for car? I just want to, my car is paid for. It's old, but it's mine. I looked it up in Kelly Blue Book and then see what it was worth. It's, way, it's worth way more than that to me. Because it's, and what's more is, I used to try to live to impress. Oh, I want to preach, but I got to talk to my brothers and sisters. I used to live because I cared what you thought. You care what people think when you're younger. Get some gray on you. You don't give a good mm -mm about what nobody think really but you. Oh, I wish I had a witness. I used to think about what folk thought about me when I walked in the room. Now I care about what I got, not what it looked like I got. I'd rather have money and not look like it They look like it and ain't got none. I need a witness in the building. I learned that somebody put me on a path to life that wasn't really life. And I had to take a step back and ask myself, who taught you that, son? Who taught me that? Where are they? This is the hardest question. Pastor Allen and I were talking about this. Where are they? Where are they now? Part of the reason why I preach like this is because I am fourth generation preacher. I have heard three generations of the gospel preached. I heard my granddaddy and them preaching the gospel because when I was six and seven and eight, there was no children's church. You sat with your mama. With crayons. I, I, need, a, I need somebody that's older than 20. Your mama had a belt in her purse. And you would see, every Sunday somebody got dragged off to the bathroom. Mama! Every Sunday. You got to church, your mama said, don't nobody move. Don't ask me for nothing. When you go to church, you go to the bathroom first. Pee, get it out. Because when I sit down and start praising my Jesus, I don't want to hear the deal with nothing. What are we going to do with a generation that never saw us worship God? What are we going to do with a generation that don't see us sacrifice? I know it's so easy for you to just watch through the stream, but what are you teaching your child when you can't sacrifice any of your time and space to God? I might contend you're teaching your child a very dangerous lesson if they don't ever see you lift up holy hands and say, Lord, I love you, God, I praise you. You wonder why your children are heathens because they ain't never seen you praise. I think every now and then you ought to break out in a shout in the living room. Every now and then you ought to praise him in the car. I think you ought to anoint your babies like your grandmama used. I, was, I think you need to put a little cross. I think they need to walk into that demonic school with a little cross of Jesus. Get some olive oil, get some Vaseline, some Crisco will do. But you better anoint your babies. You better know. Walking with a little white cross on it. What I'm saying to you is. I'm not lost. I know where I am. I remember. It's a dangerous question that I started to ask myself.
and that is the gospel that I heard my grandpapa's preaching, the gospel that I heard my daddy preach, the gospel they told me to preach. How's that working for us? How is that working for us? Where are we? Where are we as a people? And I know I got some white folk in here with me and watching. Keep on watching. But I'm talking about the Negroes. How is that working for us? Where are we with all the Holy Ghost? Where are we with all the shouting? Where are we with all the dancing? I want you to get Jesus, but I also want you to get a job. I want you to get Jesus, but I also want you to own a house. I want you to have Jesus. I'd love it if you had some money. You can have the world, but give me Jesus. I want both. I want Jesus and I want stuff. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus and silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus and riches untold so I can fund the kingdom and be a blessing I just don't know if we were taught life, that's really life. And I think even the fighting for things, I know I made this point, but I think even the fight for things and the fight for pleasure, gentlemen, especially my brothers, the fight for pleasure can take your world off a tangent that's separate from your purpose. The biggest regrets I have in my life is that I allowed my desire for pleasure to war against my mission of purpose. And so now I ask myself, yeah, who taught me that? Were they right? Where are they? Where are they? The ones who taught you this is what a woman is, where are they? The ones who, the ones who say something, nah, 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 this is how you be a wife. Oh, oh, this is how you be a wife? Are they married? Well, who they got? Have they kept anybody? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. The ones who said this is how you be a mom, where are them kids at? How are they children? The ones who said, oh, this is how you be a man. Where you be a man? Where are they at? What they got? You can't take swimming lessons from drowning people. You can't, you can't take swimming lessons. Oh, I wish I had a witness. We love for people to teach us how to swim. They got the nerve to tell you to doggy paddle, and they can't swim at all. There's a passage in scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 that says, For we live by faith, not by sight. Meaning that <laughs> life has faith in it. No, PA, I've got plenty of life and I don't necessarily need faith. That's not true. There is no life without some faith. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to do anything. It's going to take faith to raise them babies. It's going to take faith to raise them grandbabies. It's going to take faith to be an uncle and be an auntie. Take faith to be married. Gentlemen, take faith to be married. Take, ladies, take faith to be married. Take faith to say I love you. Take faith. Take faith to put your child on a bus. Take faith to lose weight. I saw the book, The Truth About Six-Pack Abs. I said, the truth about six-pack abs is I can't have none. That's the truth. It takes faith. Why can't somebody tell the truth about one ab? Stop looking at me, Robert. Why can't somebody talk about the faith? My son's with their six-pack. I'm like, put that away. Hey, Dad. I'm like, hey, son. Ooh. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Takes faith 
takes faith to start your own business. I speak entrepreneurship over it. takes faith to leave that job. It don't take faith once they fire you. It takes faith while you still have it. it takes faith to start your own side hustle. It takes faith for you to believe. It takes faith to invest. Investment takes faith. I got plenty of life, PA. Well, I want you to examine and ask yourself whether or not the life you have is real, whether or not the life you have is fake. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm almost done. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy in verse 10, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life. So Paul is saying, yes, he, when I taught, my teaching had a way of life in it. I taught you that the faith fight is a way of life. A faith fight isn't just something you do in this little moment because you're in a struggle. A faith fight is something that you basically understand that you are always in fighting shape. There's a difference between fighters that have to get in shape and fighters that are always in fighting shape. There's a difference between athletes who are always in shape and athletes that got to diet to get in shape. And Paul is saying, what I want you to understand is that there's a way of life and that way of life has faith in it. So, I mean, he says it right here in, in, in 2 Timothy 3, and it preaches itself. He says, you know all about my teaching, my way of life. And then he gives a list of the way of life. And I want to give this list to you and to myself for us to consider. I see five of them here. And so I want to share them with you, and I'm going to pray for you and let you go. He says, this is a life worth living. It's a life worth living. He's saying, fight the good fight of faith. Fight to take hold of life. Take, fight to take hold of this eternal life. Fight to take hold of a life that's actually worth it. Because you're 27, because you're 28, because you're 30, you ain't going to be here forever. Because you're 40, you're not going to be here forever. Because you're 23, you ain't going to be for here forever. Because you're 51, you're not going to be here forever. Because you're 72, and you're not going to be here forever. Because you're 81, and you're not going to be here forever. You might as well live a life worth living. You got one time to be on this planet. You better make it count. Ain't got time to chill. You ought to make it count. And so he says, he gives a list. The first thing he says is, you know, all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose. So number one, right off the bat at the top, Paul is saying that purpose is the first thing that ought to be a factor in your life. That I'm chasing purpose more than pleasure. That I know why I'm here. I know why God has sent me. I am focused on my purpose. And my purpose leads. I know we love the scripture. All things work together. Romans 8. All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. Who are called according to his purpose. I love that. Being called according to God's purpose. I love that. The purpose of God on my life. I love that. But when I did some study and you look at the original language, the word his is added. I love the implication. I love the idea that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to God's purpose. But might I suggest for your consideration that the passage also could be taken to mean that all things work together for the good of them who love God. And are called according to purpose. That if you're chasing purpose, even a menial job makes sense if you're chasing purpose. You don't mind waiting tables if you're chasing purpose. You don't mind mopping up the floor if you're chasing purpose purpose for all of you that are after purpose then what happens is the job you have doesn't define your time for you I had a conversation with a young man in a T-Mobile I was there in the middle of the day getting the phone 
He said to me, it's the middle of the day. How are you free to just be in the middle of the day? Young black man said to me, how are you free in the middle of the day to just come in here and buy a phone at this time of day? What do you do? I said, you're asking the wrong question, son. The question isn't what do I do. The question is who I am. Because as long as you only define your life by what you do, you are a slave. I said, right now, son, you're working here for T-Mobile. I said, they're paying you X amount per the hour. I said, if this is all you're doing, then T-Mobile owns you. They are telling you what your hour is worth. But if you have a goal, if you have a purpose, if you have a business plan, if you have a mission, if you got something you know you're about to do, and right now, although T-Mobile's only paying you $14 an hour, but you're learning people skills and technology, and you took their management program, then actually you're getting more from them than just the $20 an hour. And now you own your own time, and now you're free. If they call you into work later, it's okay because all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to purpose. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Number two, he says faith. It's a life that requires belief. You ought to always have to believe for something. Always have something invisible that you're waiting for. I would contend that anybody that has a hard time praising God, you fall into one of three categories. Either you're just not used to being in a world where they praise God. I, I, I get that. That where you just lift a holy hand, you sit in church, and you gotta get you gotta get used to being around worshipers and praisers. Got that. Number two, you just can't think of what God has done for you. I guess you must have forgot. But my grandmama used to say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. I said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. To be honest, it really shouldn't be all that hard for you to praise God. Especially not colored people. It really, because you are descendant from people who praise is how they got through. Praise is how they made it. Praise is what they did in the field. They woke up this morning with their mind stayed on Jesus with whip marks on their back. How dare you have a hard time praising God when you are descended? It is a scary thing when black folk don't know how to say hallelujah. It may be quiet in the white church, but we can't be quiet in here. We've got too much to praise God for. We've got too much to thank God for. He's brought us way too far. He's brought us a mighty long way. I need a witness in the bill. Somebody ought to be able to say, Lord, if it had not been for you in my family, we wouldn't be here. But God, how dare you be black and can't praise God? How dare you be black and emotional and can't say hallelujah? Stop being fake. Maybe you don't forgot what God has done for you. Or maybe you don't have nothing you believe in him for. But when you have something you believe in God for, you wave your hands. You say, here, my Lord, look, stop by here. Why on others thou art calling? Your blind Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I need a loan. I need my credit repair. I need a man. I need a good woman. I need this baby to act right. I need this baby to sleep. I'm praying on his crib. Sleep. Sleep. You ain't you ain't a parent if you ain't never said sleep. <laughs> you need sleep. 
You ain't had no teenagers till you, eh, woo, teenagers will make you say, Jesus. I used to put oil on their doorposts. I, I used to come and wipe. Oh, they had to walk through. Mm, I'd be like, touch them. Jesus, do something. Sometimes praise is all you can do. I don't really know if you have a life if you ain't looking for God to do something. You forgive people when you need God to do something. <laughs> you don't cuss folk out so quick when you need God. I don't know if you've ever been there where you about to tell somebody and then you remember, oh, wait a minute, I need a miracle. Oh, wait a minute. I need God to open up a door for me. Oh, wait a minute. They talking about laying people off. I would cuss you to mm, out, but I need the Lord on my side. So I'm going to let you go. But you better hurry up. For I don't care about this job anyway. Number three, he's, number three, he says, you know all about my way of life. You know about my purpose. You know about my faith. You know about my patience. Did you know that waiting is power? You know, that the ability to just be still and wait my grandmama used to say, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the stillness and the waiting, that patience is power. It is so hard today when everything's so quick. You see pictures in a minute. Back in our day, you had to put that thing on the roll in the store. There was no microwave. You had to heat the whole thing up. But you got to be careful that the microwave generation does not affect your perspective. Because microwave food ain't good like food that's supposed to be in the pot. You don't want microwave love. You want crock pot love. I wish I had. You want something on the slow cook. Because if you try to get microwave love, he going to be a frozen pizza and a hot pocket. If you want microwave love, it's gonna be, she going to be a ramen noodle. I got to stop being crazy. Anybody your mama made you wait? Your mama just, my mama just make you wait. I used to make my kids wait. Daddy, I want some milk. I had a son. Daddy, I want some milk. Daddy, I want some milk. I said, yeah, I, I hear you. I'm going to get it in a minute. Okay. Because, Daddy, I want some milk. Because, Daddy, I want some milk. And it's a little sippy cup. I said, yeah, I heard you. I'm going to get it. Okay. Because, Daddy, I want some milk. I said, say I want some milk again one more time. You're going to get some blood in your teeth. I'm not here at your beck and call. You can't hop to when a two-year-old calls you. Mama! Yeah. See, in my day, you called the baby. Your mama called you and you came to see what she wanted. Not your child call and you go see what they want. That's crazy. What's up, bro? That's crazy. I've actually seen parents go to see what the child wants. I'm like, you better come see me. Even if your leg is broke, you better drag it in here. I'm not coming up there to see you. Patience is power. Sometimes you just have to wait. Sometimes stuff you get quick don't last. Sometimes it happens too fast. You don't know the work it took to get it. And you don't really respect it. Connected to, to patience, it's at the end, but I'm going to throw it in here, is endurance. Endurance. The question is, can you stand the rain? Sunny days, everybody loves them. But tell me, baby, can you stand the rain? Can you stand the rain? 
traffic. But can you stand it? Can you stand it? Can you stand the rain? Whoa, can you stand the rain? Anybody can praise God when everything's amazing. Can you praise him when stuff is hard? Can you praise him in the dark place? Can you praise him in the difficult time? Can you endure? I'm so sick of somebody that says sorry, and then the next day they write back how they were. It's like, I thought you said you were sorry. You can only be sorry when everything's perfect. Number four, he says, love. Because a life without love is a life without life. One of the most dastardly things that the enemy does to us is to attack us through our love door. You love someone, they hurt you, and now you stop trusting love because you got hurt by somebody you love. You have to realize what the enemy is after is your lovability. Because he realizes and knows that a life without love is a life that's not life. I don't trust nobody no more, Pastor Andy. That's about to be a sad life. You got to love somebody. Somebody got to love you. You just ain't loved the right one yet. You got, the, you got a good friend. They in your corner. They got your back. They rejoice when, you're, when you win. And then number five, it's the tough one. It's the hard one. But there is no real life without persecution. There is no real life without a certain amount of suffering in it. If we told you that there's no suffering in life, we lied to you. Forgive us. Life has pain in it. Life has some suffering in it. Life has some difficulty in it. Life has some persecution. You folk will be mad just because you blessed. Folk won't like you just because you look good. Folk won't like you just because you happy. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you smiling and somebody say, what you so happy about? They upset that you happy. They got an attitude because you happy, because you smiling. Because you're blessed. You can't be blessed and not cause jealousy. I don't even read the comments. I don't even read them. Matter of fact, the hate is as powerful as the love for me. I don't even answer. I, Brother Hagen taught us this. I don't answer. The reason why I don't answer is because, if, and this is you. This is not just me. I got a word for you. If the dogs howl at the moon, that's a regular occurrence. But when the moon howls at the dog, that's a news story. Are you the dog or the moon? If you the moon, let the haters hate. Let the dogs howl. That's their place. Why would you give them any of your audience? I wish I had a witness. Why would you talk now about them and give them access to your people? Persecutions is a part of it. Pain is a part of it. He said, but God rescued me. From them all. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that's sweet in this world. There's a whole lot of stuff that's amazing in this world. There's a whole lot of stuff that's really great in this world. One of the sweetest things that you can ever experience in your life is when God makes a table before you 
in the presence of your enemies. I don't know if you've ever been there. Where folk had to say, I didn't think you could do it, but you know what? I was wrong. Where folk have to come back and say, I didn't think you was nothing, but look at what God has done in your life. If you want to taste something sweet, you taste God vindicating your name. You taste God changing the thing around. You taste God rescuing you from trouble. Where they talked about you and God stepped in. Where they said you weren't going to make it and God made a way. Where they said you ain't going to get that and God showed up. And then folk had to come there and say, you know what? God really did show up. When people think you crazy and then God moves. There's a sweetness to that. If you've ever said, I will never let them in my house, you've missed the blessing. The blessing is let God give you the house. Then let everybody that talk junk and everybody that talk mess have an open house. Give them a tour. Show them what God has done. Make them go home mad about how God blessed you. Let them see that there's a God up there that sits high and looks low. That's sweet. I'm sorry. That's sweet. If all you do is run from persecution, that's not really life. When someone questions your manhood, it's okay, just be a man. That's all right, you ain't got to believe, I'll show you. Give me three years, I'll show you. Give me two years, I'll show you. Give me five years, I'll show you. Give me ten years, I'll show you. Give me a week, I'll show you. I might not look it right now, but give me a little bit of time, I'll show you. Somebody questions what you can do as a woman, be like, that's okay. I'll show you. Watch me, I'll show you. You ain't got to believe right now. Just keep watching how you like me now. Just keep watching how you like me now. Do you see what the Lord has done? You don't have to ever get upset about what... When anybody says about you, just keep walking with the Lord and let him rescue you from your pain. Nothing shuts people up like blessing. I've actually seen it where people are almost running away from pain. I don't like pain either. And I get scared too. And I don't like it neither. But I've lived long enough to have the experience where God has stepped in and made my darkness day. Turned my situation around. I've actually had people say, you know, I didn't think you know what you was talking about. But I have to say. And I just sat there and said, "Woo, God, that's sweet. I was so mad when you spoke against me. But when you spoke against me, it made me chase him. Everybody don't have to like you if you have him in your life. Who am I talking to? Everybody don't got to be on your side if he's your friend. Everybody don't have to believe in you if you've got him with you. Sometimes the thing that makes you turn to him is being betrayed. It's painful. If you've ever been betrayed, it's painful. But I learned about him in pain. And now when persecution comes, I realize it's a part of the fight. You aren't a fighter until somebody knocks you down. Then you get back up. You wipe that blood off your chin. And you say, okay, now we about to go now devil you should have killed me when you had the chance but I am alive and God has allowed me to live to see another day and oh I'm about to do something for God now and when I'm done it's not going to just be for him it's going to be for other people are going to be impacted by it it's a fight for life it's a fight for faith I want God to fill us with himself Stand to your feet. Let's pray together. Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? I'm going to let you go. Wrap your arms around yourself. We've been doing this for the last several weeks. Lord, give us more faith. Lord, increase our faith. I've been praying it. Lord, increase our faith.
Lord, increase our faith. As we're about to be dismissed, Lord, increase our faith. This weekend coming up is Father's Day. Lord, increase our faith. The men's thing is it's increase our faith. Projects of hope is doing stuff in the lobby. God, increase our faith. God, we lay hands on ourselves. Give us more faith. Don't let us shirk back from the greatness that is before us. Give us more faith. Give us more grace. Fill us with yourself. We don't want to only walk by what we see. We want to walk by what we can't see. We want to be able to have endurance and patience. We want to be able to have love. We want to be able to have faith. We want to walk according to purpose. As we wrap our arms around ourselves, as we lay hands on ourselves, God, we're believing that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. God, we pray that you would save us in this moment. You sent your word and healed us and snatched us from the very door of death. Heal us in this moment. Save us in this moment. Fill us full of yourself in this moment. Let the lights come on and be God in our situation. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking through these lips of clay. Thank you for everything we did. Every praise song, every praise belongs to you. Thank you for every praise song. Thank you for every prayer. Thank you for every shout. Thank you for every parent and grandparent and godparent. Thank you for every baby. Thank you, God, for all the men that were with me today. Thank you for all of the women that were with me today. Thank you for the men watching around the world. Thank you for the women watching around the world. Thank you, God, for the families that are watching around the world. Now, God, dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Cover us with your blood. Bring us back again next week to bless your name. And, God, as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people and give them peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming to church today. God bless you. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.